0: Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Ruth. Good morning, everybody. so glad you're here today. We are starting a new series today, and I'm going to begin uh, with the Word of God, which is the right place to begin. I'll pre-warn you, this is a challenging text, Matthew chapter 24, uh, looking at verses 3 through 13, Matthew 24, verses 3 through 13. Let's stand for this reading from God's Word. This is Jesus uh, coming out of the temple. He was now sitting at the Mount of Olives, and his disciples came to him in private, and they said this to him, Tell us, when will this be, and what will be the sign of your coming, and the coming of the age? And Jesus answered them, Beware that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am the Messiah, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars, rumors of wars, and see that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places, all this but the beginning of the birth pangs. Then they will you over to be tortured, and will put you to death, and you will be hated By all nations, because of my name. Then many will fall away, and they will betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because of the increase in lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures will be saved. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise be to you, Lord Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Like I said, challenging word. I was wrestling so many different ways this week with how to begin this series on grace and forgiveness. Our series is called A Season of Second Chances, and it's learning to live in grace and forgiveness, to live in it, to give it out to others, and to not hold back in it. And uh, it's, it's going to be a very challenging season as God has continued to work on me and this idea of being a gracious person and forgiving those who have sinned against me. Um, but, you know, as we began, like I said, there's, there, we're going to get back to that word from Jesus. But I also got to tell you, besides being a little uh, tense about what the power of today's word can be about, I'm also coming to you because I'm a little frustrated this morning. I don't know if the rest of you are joining me in this. I'm frustrated at the change of season. Anyone else? I don't know if it's, if it's allowed, but I keep looking at the extended forecast. I'm like, wait, when is spring actually going to spring? We're two weeks removed away from... Now I'm getting mad. Sorry. <laughs> We're two weeks away from Easter, and it's still gray and cold outside. I haven't seen the sun. And I've been saying as I've been meeting you know, in my different groups during the week, they're like, how can I pray for you? I'm like, pray for me because I'm getting kind of anxious about this sun. I'm not seeing it for a while, and it's really starting to work in my spirit. Uh, do, you, do you feel that too? Like, where is the spring, okay? And so it's like this season that has not yet come. We know it's coming. We keep waiting for it. Every day you check the weather. Sometimes, even this morning, somebody had the audacity to say, well, it's kind of nice out there today. I'm like, no, it's not. It's still cloudy and cold. <laughs> and even when it is nice, it's going to rain. It's terrible. I can't stand it. it. It wasn't helpful this week that my kids and I looked at a memory from four years ago when we were still living in Texas and we were going to the pool for the first time. Ah. But I do find that this lack of changing season, the fact that the season refuses to change, actually is a really good metaphor, a good symbol of what can even happen in, in our hearts. Because we're here at a post resurrection season. We're here still continuing as we would every week, every Sunday, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who died for our sins and was raised by the power of God back so we can be filled with hope and rejoice. And yet, for some of us, it can still feel like that season hasn't changed. So this is a heart check for us, where there should be joy and continuing worship Maybe there's this sense of a lingering cold in our hearts, and that's what this series is going to explore. The series is going to explore, in, in, in some parts, uh, what is God's purpose or use for even conflicts in our lives, challenging relationships, to let us know that even when we experience hard times, hard relationships, uh, a breakdown in, in relationships, He's still good and trustworthy. I want to walk you down some paths of giving and receiving grace and forgiveness that may be important for you in your life and your ministry. We're going to continue together to equip ourselves for the ongoing ministry of reconciliation that God has given all of us by His grace in Jesus Christ. But this morning, as we heard from the Word, and we're going to get back to Jesus' hard words in a moment, it begins with a warning. This morning begins with a warning. What happens When we allow unforgiveness to sit in our hearts and become bitterness, what can happen? To a condition where Jesus described, saying, here's a sign of the last days, that our love grows cold. Now, I think this is actually a good place to start, even if it is very challenging to kind of get a heart check. Before we go to the table, which today I hope and pray we're going to find very healing very filling and very, very correcting. Now, as we start talking about grace and forgiveness, I'm going to pre-warn you, I am not perfect at this. I'm really not. I am intentional about it. God has led me through a number of different stories in my life, big things, and even on sometimes the daily of learning how to live and give grace and forgiveness and receive it to myself. I read about it a lot. I study it a lot. It's, there, there's a lot of presence in Scripture about how to and what to and the importance of forgiving. So, and I've, I've counseled a number of people through some really hard, difficult circumstances, relationships, and have some, seen some amazing stories of, of restoration and some heartbreaking stories of, 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 of bitterness. Like I said, I've, I've walked my own stories of, of needing to forgive and, and receive grace and to extend grace to others. But kind of like most of us might go to a doctor for that small thing to get it checked. And the doctor says, you know, it's small right now, but we got to take care of this now before it grows into something else. This is is like that in our hearts. It's important for us to do a check, to have the Holy Spirit check check us for any place that we may be harboring unforgiveness or bitterness as we enter into a season of second chances. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you, Lord, for the, the metaphor of the season outside, that it's still gray and cold when it should be bright and sunny. And Lord, if that's a picture of, of any of our hearts here this morning, that we, we, we should be living in this joyful, full-color life because of what Jesus has done in being raised, and yet it still feels cold and cloudy in our hearts. Lord, would you tenderly walk with us through this expression of a season of second chances. Or, or, Lord, if there's someone out there that we know when we start talking about needing to forgive, that, you know, situations or people come up, Lord, would you tenderly walk with us in that? And use my words, if you can, most of all, your Holy Spirit, and your, your own word, God, to lead us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, back to uh, Jesus' words, which I love sort of hanging out there in the wind for you. You know, it's the disciples coming up to him, they're asking, you know, Jesus, can you tell us what will it be like in the last days? What will the signs be? And I, I mean, as a pastor, I get that question fairly uh, uh, regularly. People ask, do you think we're in the last days? And I would tell you, you know, significantly, we're always closer than we were yesterday. If we're heading towards the last days, statistically, we're certainly getting close. I, I tend to, you know, and again, of course, we know that only God knows. Even Jesus didn't reveal it. He certainly gave us signs, and we can look at those, and we should but it almost feels sometimes like like the waves, you know, is the big wave coming? You know, you're like, was well, that the big wave? Is that the big wave? And I think that God, Jesus always wants us to live in kind of the perpetual sense of hope and impending sense of his return. I think he always wants us to feel that. But you start looking at the signs and you think, okay, maybe there's something here that we're closer than maybe we've been in, in previous days. Now, I'm going to walk through some of this very quickly because I want to get you more to the relational part. But... He talks about in Matthew 24, he's like, you know, is this the last days? And he starts to give him an outline of some big world problems. He's like, okay, look, here's what it's going to be like in the last days. First of all, be careful that no one leads you astray. There's going to be a lot of false teachers out there, and they're going to say, I'll save you, I'm Messiah, and they'll lead many, many astray. By the way, he's talking about believers. They'll lead many astray. Many people will go to, onto a false hope, false leadership. They'll lead many astray. And he's like, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars, which we hear now, we've heard of in the past. We're going to hear more in the future. Those, he said, don't, b- don't worry about those. Don't be alarmed about that. That's going to take place. That's okay. But the end is not yet. Then we're going to have nations against nations and kingdom against kingdoms. There's going to be famines. It's going to be you know, hard to find good food. There's going to be the ground shaking in various places. All this, he says, is just the beginning of the birth pangs. So in other words, those are big world problems and he's kind of saying, you know, that's, that's actually not anything you need to worry about too much. You're going to hear about those things. It's just the beginning of the birth pangs. Now, before I go on to the, to the part I want to focus on relationally, you know, I don't, we can't ignore the fact that there are about, according to the Voice of Martyrs right now, and, 260 million Christians living in places of high levels of persecution. In fact, statistically, one out of every nine people who say they follow Christ are in a place of persecution right now. We mostly experience social persecution, and I'd love to tell you more about some stories that, you know, I and my kids have had in the last, you know, seasons about trying to live their faith in an increasingly secular culture. We face maybe social persecution, but there's actually millions of Christians around the world today who are living with their lives in jeopardy because of their faith. In fact, over 3,000 Christians are killed every year, Because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And we should be concerned about that. I'm not not trying to skip over that to get to something. We do have prayer cards that we put on the back table there every month that detail some of that stuff for you and call us to prayer, which is one of the reasons we're even praying for places like Ukraine where, where Christians are in jeopardy. Okay? But let's go back to where Jesus said things turn personal. Things will turn personal. This is where he says, many, many will fall away. Let me get it back here many will fall away and they will betray one another this is again he's talking about people that would say they follow jesus they've accepted grace and many will fall away and they will betray one another and they will hate one another brothers and sisters he's talking about in that season many false prophets will arise and start to lead people off away from the church away from christ And because there's this increase in kind of, well, anything goes, lawlessness, the love of many, and this is the part that really gets chilly to me, the love of many will grow cold. This is Jesus himself talking to believers in the church foretelling what the sign might be before he comes. The love of many will turn cold. Now, as I've highlighted there, this, this word fall away isn't quite as simple as just sort of stumble off or, you know, stumble off the path. That's kind of what the implication is physically, like they fall away or they stumble. But this, this uh, original word, "scandalazo" it does imply stumble and falling, but it also means offended. In fact, earlier, older Bible translations uh, used to use that word. Many will be offended, and then they will betray one another and hate one another. In other words, they trip, they fall away, because they are offended. Now does it start to sound a little more practical? They fall away because they're offended by something. It's not doctrinal. It's not because they don't feel loved or pursued. It's not unresolved. You know, it's not political conflicts in the church. It's unresolved conflict, a spirit of bitterness, that draws people away from fellowship and ultimately turns them away from the church, and turns them away from faith. That's what I find particularly chilling about Jesus saying, one of the signs. Most of the time when people ask, you know, do you think this is the last days, the last days, they want me to talk about big picture stuff, you know, is there persecution, is there wars, rumors. I look at this, and I, this is where I need to have a heart check, because this is very personal. Now, let me summarize this section for you real quick, what Jesus is saying here. He said, you know, in the, one of the signs of the, the last days, the times before he may return, which, by the way, we should rejoice in. That's nothing we should fear. Jesus is returning. We want Jesus to come back. We do. Amen? We do. Yes. But one of the signs is that many, many, and he's, again, talking about Christians, will fall away. They'll be tripped by a spirit of offense. They'll feel offended by something, and that'll stumble them away. That'll lead to Betrayal. What is betrayal? Well, like Judas and Jesus, betrayal is when you're self-interested. I'm only interested in protecting myself, and I will do the other person in to protect myself. That's betrayal. This will give harbor then to hatred as bitterness develops and takes over. So the offended one betrays and then turns into hatred, which leaves them very susceptible to false teaching, false prophets, which lead them away from living and giving grace. Might even by saying things like, live your best life now, or forgive and forget, or you don't have to bother dealing with that. This leads to lawlessness, where we no longer can hear the word of God as truthful or as truth leading to righteousness. And then that spiritual condition, which I'm going to focus on a little bit this morning, the idea that the final condition, the spiritual condition, is that these people, again, he's talking about believers, many Believers, he said, will end up in a spiritual condition in which their love has grown cold. Man, he's talking about people in the church. In the last days, he said, there's going to be big things. There's going to be wars. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be famines and earthquakes. But many will fall away by an offended spirit that leads to unforgiveness and bitterness and their love growing cold. So the the warning here this morning, and again, we're going to get to communion, so I keep pointing towards the the hope. The warning here is that many of us are in danger of being offended, tripping on a spirit of being offended, and holding on to those offenses as unforgiveness and bitterness that can lead us to a rejection of spiritual confidence, and we won't grow, where our love grows cold. Now, in a moment, I'm going to offer you... Uh, a, a kind of an idea of what it looks like in a heart that has grown cold. And this is based, again, on personal reflection, what God has led me through. Again, I'm not perfect in this at all. Things that I've read, people I've walked with through. I'm going to talk to you about some practical ways that we can get a self-check, spirit check on, on if our love has grown cold. But, but when I say this idea of unforgiveness or, or maybe someone you haven't, you haven't forgiven or maybe someone, someone you need to seek forgiveness from, who comes to mind? When I talk about needing to forgive or being forgiven by, who does the Lord bring to mind? Now, relational conflicts can start early. This actually applies even to young people. Uh, Many of us may carry childhood wounds. That was certainly one of my big struggles, a childhood wound when I was a young kid, you know, and and a covenant of love that was supposed to be over me with my parents that, that they didn't hold to. I was wounded, and that, so it can start even as a child, but it can also grow more regularly even in our adolescence. I can't tell you how many times my middle school, girls in particular come home and are like, she's mad at her, and she's not talking to her, and nobody's talking to him, and friendships, they kind of bounce between friend groups sometimes because of anger and bitterness, so it can happen, of course, in adolescence. As we grow older, we enter into more complex relationships with friends and, and marriage and, and maybe kids and extended family, in-laws, ugh. We might even have workplace issues. That's that's been a that's been a struggle for me in the past, where we might give into a spirit of offense if we have not processed through it. Just this week, I was reading about a couple who had uh, were going through a, a hard divorce, and twelve years ago, uh, the wife was carrying a bunch of of plates in the door and she tripped and she fell and the plates smashed all over the floor, and her husband laughed at her. Okay. 12 years later, they were going through a hard divorce, and she, he asked her during the proceedings, like, when do you think that I stopped loving you? And guess what she said? When the plates hit the floor and you laughed. Now again, there, there may have been more issues in their marriage, but what I'm asking is, could that have been a different story if there had been grace and forgiveness there? Or did that One action manifest itself and then kind of be the lens in which they saw one another. I meet a fair amount of people who are angry at God, maybe for something that he's done or something that he didn't do or something he didn't relieve. And they're offended by God. And and even though they might claim to be believers, there's something that's cold about their faith and they don't seem to be able to grow. That's what we're talking about, this idea when, when love grows cold. So again, who does God bring to mind, or what situation does God bring to mind if I ask you, who might you need to extend forgiveness towards, or is there some place that you need to seek forgiveness from? Now let the Lord continue to work on you again. We're going to get to the table, which I pray is going to be very healing for us this morning, but I want to give you three ways that are that we can sense that our love has grown cold. and And the first one is that we stop growing. First one is we stop growing. Offended people, uh, get wedded to or locked into that moment or season in which they were hurt. And they, they stop growing because they don't process it and they don't learn to forgive. And, and they might even replay that situation or that relationship over and over again, even long after the relationship is gone. You know, you could be years back and you're still living out of that offense, even though you have nothing to do with those people anymore. You know, and they might, one way they stop growing, you can maybe hear it again. I'm talking, maybe if you're talking to someone else that's struggling with that, is they keep wanting to tell you that story of what happened when I was hurt. And they'll reapply that bitterness to other situations that have nothing to do with it. They stop growing, they kind of get locked into that season. If they're a believer, it can be hard to worship. It can be hard to, to lift your hands and lift your voice and to, to really sense and walk in the presence of God because we've stopped growing. The Word, the Word of God becomes stale and kind of ineffective. We, we stop growing. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27, it says you can get angry. That's okay, but don't sin when you get angry. Maybe you've heard this before. Don't let the sun set on your anger. It gives an opportunity or, in some translations, a foothold to the devil He'll hold your foot. He'll keep you from moving forward. He'll keep you from growing. I really struggle with this at times. One of my first uh, jobs in, in ministry, uh, I worked in, a, you know, in, a, in an office with a lot of staff, and my boss uh, would not listen to a presentation that I'd worked a long time on. And he refused to listen to me. He kind of dismissed me outright. I got so mad about it that I went home, and I let that anger, I slept on it. And it boiled over. And for weeks then I really was struggling, not just at, at work where I was like so mad at my boss, but also even at home. I couldn't really relate well to Alicia. The kids were really young. I had trouble connecting with them. I was really struggling. We'd go to church and, and you know, I normally was pretty, you know, into the worship. I couldn't worship. I'd sit and just stew as the, the preacher preached. I couldn't hear it. Here's the worst part. My boss was my father-in-law. I love this author, Everett Worthington, uh, he's a Christian PhD, one of the great, uh, he really is like a leader in forgiveness. He writes a lot about forgiveness, and I love this book, Just Forgiveness. He says it this way, we're intended to let the water of forgiveness flow from our hearts. Of course, this, this is believers. We're intended to let the water of forgiveness flow from our hearts. Any attempt to dam it up creates like a dead sea in which life cannot exist. It's like stopping the flow of our lives, blood. Life itself will stop. See, as forgivers, we're called to forgive as we've been forgiven. It's the very opposite of First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, where Paul commends them for saying, look, I see your faith growing, your love is increasing. When we harbor unforgiveness or bitterness, we stop growing. And it can be for weeks, months, years, or even a lifetime. And I'll tell you, that time when I was really struggling, it took a supernatural lift. God had to lift that off me. I'll tell you more about that in the next couple of weeks. Lift that spirit of, of offense off me, and it was wonderful. Next thing, uh, when we, uh, our love grows cold, is we will develop frostbite. We'll develop frostbite. When we harbor unforgiveness that leads to bitterness, um, we can get mean for no reason. We can be short-tempered in, in other places. I actually feel like this idea of frostbite and bitterness, coming from bitterness, is the rise of the aggressive behavior we see in our culture right now. You ever notice how angry people are and how how willing they are to be angry? I think it's a bitterness. Bitterness affects our ability to relate to other people. We will uh, will develop a thick coat in order to protect our hearts. And and one of the ways that we do that is through sarcasm, clamor, or coarse talk. We can, we can sense that we're trending into bitterness because we have unresolved conflict, and we'll start to be sarcastic and biting. And we do that because we want to keep people back. We don't want them to get too close. We may even hold a judgmental spirit. Sometimes people who, and again, you may not even realize it, hold on to a bitter spirit are very judgmental. They're excellent at pointing out the flaws of other people. And again, that's a thick coat they use to kind of keep people back. They enjoy almost, you can see a delight in pointing out what's wrong with other people out there, forgetting their own sinfulness. They can be likable. They can function in marriage, in a family, in a workplace, even in a church. But people like them, but they sometimes are even scared of them. You ever have that where you're you're friends with someone, you like them, but you're like, I'm also kind of scared of you a little bit. And so we're nicer around them because we want to try to keep them happy. Now, Ephesians chapter 4 warns us, you know, to put away from you all bitterness, all wrath, all anger, all all wrangling and slander, which is, again, that talking back, that kind of talking about other people, together with all forms of malice, loving to fight. Instead, he says, be kind to one another, be tenderhearted. And here's the antidote, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. This is the antidote to a bitter spirit and a frostbite, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you, which is why we pray it every week. Lord, forgive me my sins as I forgive those who have sinned against me. In the same manner in which I'm extending forgiveness, Lord, may I be forgiven. One more uh, sign that we may be harboring a a bitter spirit, and and this is a hard one, we risk exposure. We risk exposure. For those of you who've grown up in deep cold, you may know what exposure can do to us. A chilling story in Matthew chapter 18 that I don't have time to give it to do, but it's a parable of Jesus talking about an unforgiving servant. And in it he talks about a servant who is called before the king who owes 10,000 talents, roughly about $5 billion. And he begs for mercy from the king, and he's forgiven that debt because the king is merciful and kind. But then the servant turns around in the very same moment and sees another servant who owes him about $2,000. $5 billion, forgiven, $2,000 owed. And the person who owes him the 2000 begs him, will you please forgive me the 2000 I don't, I can't pay that. And the, and the original servant who was forgiven the $5 billion throws the second man in prison. How often do we do that to people, too, throw them in a prison? And, and the king remarks to him, calling the first servant into his presence, he says, you are wicked, and he orders him to pay the full original debt. He's now responsible for the full $5 billion. And then Jesus steps out of that story and gives us this commentary which is, very, again, very chilling. In verse 35 of Matthew 18 he says, this is how my heavenly Father will do also to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. That's cold. You see, we have to be really careful about bitterness and unforgiveness. Most of the time when we say, oh, I, I, I forgive and forget, we've done neither. We can't hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness. Now, I know a lot of questions may be coming up right now. Well, what does that mean to forgive? And do I have to let that person back in life? We're going to explore all that in just a bit, but we just need to do a self-check this morning if we're struggling with unforgiveness or bitterness does it feel like we've stopped growing no matter how hard we try does it feel like we're not growing spiritually have we have a frostbite do we delight in talking about other people or or using our our attitude to kind of keep people back from being close to us when we think of unforgiveness maybe it's those big names in our lives or maybe even a small thing what what comes to mind See, as, as we go to communion this morning, we want to take some time to confess, to just reflect on our sins, asking the Lord to search us, search us and know our hearts, to test us and know our thoughts. Lord, see if there's any offensive way in us and lead us in the way of everlasting. My friends, for, before we come to the table this morning, we have a confessional response It's hymn number 355, uh, Forgive Our Sins As We Forgive Others. So we're going to reflect on this, and then we'll head to the table.